history of the world had impacted God's people quite like the birth of Jesus Christ, period, end of statement, for 2,000 years from the time of Abraham. God said, I'm going to make you a nation and a land and a blessing, and the people were yearning for hope, and the birth of Jesus Christ brought that hope. Period. End of statement. So the big idea today is simply this. Christmas changed everything, so rejoice. Christmas changed everything, so rejoice. What I want to do over the next several minutes is I want to give you three phrases, three ideas from the Christmas story that don't only tell us about Christmas, they tell us about what it means to be a Christ follower. They tell us about the hope that that we should cling to, that we should rejoice in, even when we don't feel like rejoicing. Even when we turn on our televisions and we can't believe what we're seeing. Three truths. Number one is this, rejoice because our God is with us. Our God is with us. It's central to the Christmas story. In John chapter 1, we don't think of the Gospel of John as having Christmas, but you see Christmas in John chapter 1, because in John 1.14 it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, God with us. 700 years before John wrote the Gospel of John, the prophet Isaiah shared a prophecy that he was given from the Lord for God's people, and he said, The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And if you look in Matthew chapter 1, smack dab in the middle of the Christmas narrative, we see this proclamation, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, the concept of Emmanuel, the concept of God with us, it's ludicrous. It's crazy. It's extreme. Jim, Jim Bob talked about the infomercials, and boy, I was glad to hear that that's what you're watching in the middle of the night, buddy, is the infomercials. Let me just tell you, I was a little nervous for a service. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Just kidding. You think of the things that people buy into today via infomercials or whatever it may be. Think of the things that you've bought in your lifetime because you were convinced that thing was going to change your life in a positive way. And maybe it was at the grab-and-go yesterday. Or maybe you sold it for five cents at a garbage sale this summer. Excuse me, garage sale. Something along those lines. You've done it, haven't you? Because we buy a lot of stuff. People say this will work, and we buy it hook, line, and sinker. You know, the idea that God would leave heaven, take the form of a human, and be with us, walk with us, minister with us, Love us, heal us, encourage us. It's crazy. It's ludicrous in so many ways. But it's Christmas. And it's the hope of Jesus Christ. If there's a key word that I want you to see with this idea of God with us, it's the word incarnation. God taking the form of a human. Fully God, fully man changing our lives forever. And the only word that I can come up with to follow that up with is the word rejoice. Rejoice. Our God is with us. Number two, rejoice for nothing is impossible 
with God. Nothing is impossible with God. In Luke chapter 1, Mary, teenage girl, 13, 14, 15, somewhere along those lines, she's played by the rules up to this point in time. She's lived like she's supposed to live. And an angel shows up, and you know the story, and the angel says, good news, you're highly favored, and you're going to have a baby. And she says, I need a 30-second timeout. Hold on. What are you talking about? I haven't been down that road. I haven't behaved in that way. And the angel says, well, don't worry. This is God's plan. This is what God wants. You're going to be God's instrument. And smack dab in the middle of that proclamation is this phrase. I love it. It's hanging on a plaque on my desk. I look at it every, every day. Nothing is impossible with God. Luke one thirty seven. For nothing is impossible with God. And I want to ask you today, what kind of God do you believe in? Do you believe in a God? Do you worship a God where nothing is impossible for Him? Or have you created your own little box for God and said God has to operate inside this box? I think for too many of us, we are afraid to say that God can do whatever God wants to do. God can be whatever God wants to be. We've created maybe an American God or we've created an upper class God in our minds. And we forget the truth of the Christmas story. Nothing is impossible with God. Um, Many of the great academics in our world today spend much, maybe most of their energy writing books and printing out studies that try to explain away many of the great miracles of Scripture. Because it just doesn't make sense. That can't happen. What do you mean the Red Sea was parted? What do you mean the walls of Jericho fell down? What do you mean Jesus walked on water? What do you mean Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000? Somebody told me today we had that miracle during the open house for the Bible school Christmas program. That the cookies just kept coming and coming and coming. And I said, I'm not sure that was a miracle, but it's a nice sermon illustration nonetheless. What kind of God do you believe in? How big is your God? See, if the key word for our God is with us is incarnation, the key word for nothing is impossible with God has to be the word supernatural. When I see Christmas, I can't help but see the supernatural. I'm stunned the number of people that will come to me and say, it just doesn't make sense. It's not logical. I can't buy it. And I want to say, but God can do anything God wants to do. The walls of Jericho falling down, that is no big deal with my God. Feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, that's chump change for my God. How big is your God? Nothing is impossible with God. Truth number three, rejoice because Jesus saves. Rejoice. Because Jesus saves. And some of you might be saying, I'm with you so far with our God is with us. That's in the Christmas story. I'm with you. Nothing is impossible with God. That's in the Christmas story. But you're jumping ahead to Good Friday, Greg. You're jumping ahead to Easter, Greg. Let's stay in Christmas. Well, guess what? You can't read the Christmas narrative. You can't read the the accounts in Matthew and Luke and the prophecies from the prophets without seeing this truth being articulated. Jesus 
saves. Uh, Mary had a visit from an angel. Joseph also had a visit from the angel. His reaction was a little different from Mary's. Mary was like, look, I know I haven't done anything I wasn't supposed to do, but you're God. It's your show. Here I am. I'm your servant. Joseph's saying, I'm not so sure I'm going down this road. I'm not so sure I believe her. I had the same class in high school that she had, and it's just not possible. And the angel says, Joseph, relax. God is in control. And in the midst of his pleading with Joseph, he says in Matthew 1, verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, catch this, because he will save his people from their sins. Before he was even born, the angel says to Joseph, your son Jesus will save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 2, the angels, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born to you. Now, we don't like to talk about sin at Christmas time, do we? We probably don't ever really like to talk about sin, but when we come to church at Christmas time, we want to see beautiful trees and poinsettias and candles that burn all the way down. We worry that the wreath's going to catch on fire and all, all kinds of fun stuff like that. We want to see the little kids sing in the Bible school Christmas program. We want to come out on Christmas Eve for Christmas Rewind. It's going to be a great, great Christmas Eve this year. I hope you come out at either five or seven, but let's just leave sin for January or February or March. We don't want to talk about sin because sin is ugly Sin is uncomfortable. Sin's just yucky, it's slimy, it's nasty. And yet, here's the truth, my friends, and you know this. You're a sinner, and you fall short of God's glory. I'm a sinner, and I fall short of God's glory. And just like in the first century world, during the time that Jesus was born, those people needed hope. They need a Savior, and we need hope, and we need a Savior. And the great news of Christmas, when we look at the tree, or we look at the nativity, or, or we peruse uh, all the decorations, the lights at night, be reminded that Jesus Christ came to bring hope from the sting and the awfulness of sin. God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but will have eternal life. Key word, it's obvious. Salvation. Salvation. So when we think about Christmas and we think about rejoicing and we think about the joy that Jesus brings, think of the incarnation. Our God is with us. Think of the supernatural. Nothing is impossible with God. And be reminded of the hope of salvation. Jesus saves So what's the point? The point is this. Christmas changed everything when Jesus Christ was born to save. So good Christian friends, my call for you today is to rejoice. I want you to look up, now that your outline's all filled in and and you've got that complete, look at the top of the front page. Indulci Jubilo. Or something like that. We're not quite exactly sure how you pronounce it, but we know it's Latin. 
We know it's from the 13th century. We know that for over 700 years, in places like Clinton, Illinois, and all across the world, people have gathered together this time of the year simply to say, Rejoice! Rejoice! Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Peace, peace. Jesus Christ was born to save. He calls you one and calls you all to gain His everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. So rejoice. Let's pray. God, thank You for this day. And even when we're not happy, we rejoice. Even when our hearts break, we rejoice. Because Jesus Christ, Your Son, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, was born to bring hope. Jesus Christ was born to save. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so we come during this time to remind you that it's not about you, it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about what Jesus has done for us, and it's all about what Jesus continues to do for us. And so if you need prayer this morning because you're struggling, you, you know Jesus and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're struggling with this idea of rejoicing. I'll be up front. Greg will be up front. Or maybe this morning this is the, one of the first times you've ever heard about Jesus and you want to know more about him and you want to, you want to pray. And, and maybe right this very moment you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior. We are here to help you. But most importantly, Jesus is here for you. Let's stand together and sing Away in a Manger. Away in a
Again, I want to remind you tonight we will be having youth groups. The junior high and high school, it is ugly sweater night. So wear your ugly sweater. Some of you will not have to go out and buy a new one. You can just grab out of your closet. Um, so wear your ugly sweater. And then all.